Hey y'all, it's Carmen. Thank you for joining me for the Let's Be Real podcast this week. Y'all, I ate way too much last week during our Thanksgiving gathering. I know I was not the only one. Did anyone else wear elastic waist pants? That's the only way to partake in the Thanksgiving spread. Today we are going to be talking about grace. Those elastic pants were grace for me on Thursday. Let's just be real. As I begin to reflect on what this time of year, Christmas, means to me, my mind always goes to grace. What is grace and what does it have to do with preparing our heart and mind to celebrate Christmas? I want to encourage you as you anticipate Christmas and the, quote, arrival of Christ to think about grace. Several years ago, as I was preparing Christmas lessons for the students at our church, God gave me this phrase that I feel embodies what grace is for that first Christmas, this Christmas, and every Christmas in between. It's an acrostic. Each letter in the word grace matches the words in the phrase, G-R-A-C-E, God's radical arrival changed eternity. Is that not so true? God supernaturally coming to earth as Jesus changed my eternity and yours. That is grace. That God, the creator and sustainer of all the universe, made a choice motivated by love for me and you to take on a mortal body and was constrained by time and space to change my eternity and yours. Without his arrival, he cannot have lived a perfect life, died and rose again to have for us to have the opportunity to make a decision to follow and trust him and then have an eternal future with him. The technical definition of grace is a blessing or a favor from God, despite the fact that we do not deserve it. An extension of kindness or a bending low to the unworthy. In today's episode and the others leading up to Christmas, I want us to look at how God's quote, bending low to earth immediately changed the lives and eternities of those nearest to him and how that same bending low can change my life and yours for eternity. Will you join me on this journey as we visit Mary, Joseph, Jesus himself, the shepherds, and the wise men? So right out of high school, I enrolled in and attended a four-year university near where I live now. I did this to pursue a bachelor's degree in education. Being the fourth child to attend college in my family and my mom living off of a one income, taking out student loans were a necessity to pay for the education I was wanting. I completed those four years and earned a degree in special education. During those four years, my student loan debt that I had accumulated was not on my radar. Not until I had received that diploma and was basking in my accomplishments a month or so after graduation did the weight of that debt come crashing down on me. That very friendly letter arrived in my mailbox stating that my monthly payments would begin immediately. Writing that check was so irritating every month, but it was the price that had to be paid And seeing as how I was now an official, quote, adult, it was me that would have to pay. I was offered a teaching position in a small primary school in a neighboring county. What was weird is I was offered the position after a brief conversation with the special education director at a job fair and a second phone conversation where the job was offered. I accepted 
and often wondered why I had done that so quickly. A little over five years later, that answer came to me in the form of a student loan forgiveness letter. The fact that I had worked in the low-income school district and had taught in the high-demand field of special education qualified me to have my loan forgiven. That day that the letter came in the mail with zero dollars by the balance due line was one of the most memorable days of my life. Can you imagine the weight of that debt being lifted off of my plate? I still have the letter to this day. One, because I want to have proof if the government ever comes back and tries to say I still owe them. And two, to remind myself that the debt I had accumulated, the debt I should have paid, was paid for me. An undeserved blessing. Why do I tell you this? Because this is grace. This is Christmas. God's radical arrival changed my eternal future, much like my loan forgiveness changed my financial future. His arrival can do the same for you. Let's begin with looking at the scriptures and how God's arrival changed Mary's life forever. The account begins long before Mary enters the scene. All throughout the Old Testament, there are prophecies pointing to the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah. I want to look at one in particular before we look specifically at Mary. Malachi 3 verse 1 says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. God indeed told the truth in this last book of the Old Testament. We, on the other side of this prophecy, can see fully that Jesus is the object of the prophecy. But think of the reader of this verse, or the hearer of the prophecy, in that day. It was certainly an abstract idea to them. At the end of this book in Malachi, we turn the page in a physical Bible to a blank page. Interestingly, this blank page represents the 400 years of silence from God in heaven. Since the beginning of time, God's presence and his voice had always been there for the righteous, but for 400 long years, it was not. Generations upon generations, 12 to 15 is a rough estimate, had no idea of what God's voice sounded like, hearing his message, or experiencing his presence. I would assume it was a terribly dark time but as we turn the page in the physical Bible to the book of Matthew, we see God's grace breaking through in a radical way. Let's look at Luke 1, verse 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, who was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And in coming, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, 
How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So what's so radical about this scripture? Here are a few takeaways. Number one, the angel. I don't know about you, but I don't have angels coming and visiting me on a daily basis and giving me some radical news from heaven. I know I'm not the only one. Number two, Mary was a virgin and she was not married. A most radical and not to mention unusual way for a woman to become pregnant. There is only one natural way for a woman to conceive and I don't think that is just a modern error phenomenon. Number three, the baby would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Supernatural conception is very radical. Four, Jesus' name was one of the most common names during that time. Why would that be radical? To me, it would communicate how accessible Jesus would be to the, quote, common man or woman. Which, by the way, you can read about just how accessible he was throughout the books of the Gospels. His name means the Lord saves. Indeed. Number five, Mary's obedience was radical. Perhaps from a human standpoint, the most radical aspect of this account. Mary was young. Most scholars believe she was a teenager. She was poor. Economic standing in the community spoke volumes. She was, of course, a female. And gender equality was certainly not a thing back then. Females had less rights, less opportunities, and less cultural standing. If this was the Messiah that Mary would carry and give birth to, then how did God see her as the person most fitting to carry out the task with such, quote, unusable qualities? To answer this question, I am reminded of 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Consider that after 400 years of silence, God looks down from his holy throne and sees one righteous young girl's heart, and he knows that what he is asking will not be easy, but he knows that she will be obedient, and therefore he sends his messenger to her side to show that his grace will affect her in a way she never thought possible. What about you? Has God's radical arrival changed your eternity? Have you experienced His saving grace? If not, today may be your day. God came to you. He crossed the chasm of sin and death that we cannot cross because He loves us. He loves you. Accept His grace today. He is waiting on you. Maybe you have experienced His grace, but you have forgotten how radical of love God has for you. Let him remind you of his radical love during this Christmas season. Are you like Mary and, quote, unusable vessel from the outside? But God is asking for your radical obedience over the calling on your life. 
Let Mary's obedience be your example and encouragement. Just as he was with Mary, he will be with you. Obediently follow him. You will not regret it. Christmas is not ordinary. Jesus' birth was not ordinary. Don't get sucked into commercialization of this time of year. We are beneficiaries of God's radical arrival. Christmas is not about getting what we want. It's about getting what we don't deserve. Grace, the greatest gift anyone could give. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you chose to come to us. You saw that we could not come to you And so out of your love, you came to us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Mary, that she was obedient to you, that she loved you, and she did not care what others thought of her. Thank you for that. Thank you for her yes, because it has impacted all of us this day. God, thank you for this Christmas season. I pray that we would focus in on you and on your son and on the reason that he came, and that was to save us. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I cannot wait until next week when we will look at how God's radical arrival changed Joseph's eternity. Grace extended to a scared young man. Meet me right back here. Remember, you can access this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and now also available on Amazon. You can also access the Let's Be Real podcast and other podcasts through the Kingdom Rock Podcast Network by visiting www.kingdomrock.org. This has been Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.